The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for joining us on this Good Friday here on Afternoons with Mike. Mike Gillen with you on the Shepherd Radio Network, and we're always here this time of day, Monday through Friday, with a program. Uh, today, obviously, is a day in the history of the world that mm-hmm. would be accurately said it was like no other. It was unique. This is the day that we celebrate the greatest sacrifice ever made on the planet, in the universe, when Jesus died on the cross for his own. Mm-hmm. And we are honored to bring you Andy Searles, our good friend from Church Together in Castleberry. Welcome back, my friend. Mike, it's lovely to be with you. It always is, but especially on this poignant day uh, where our hearts are heavy and weighted, yet expectant and excited, because we know that for all the difficulty and struggle of today, uh, we're just a few days away from a moment that, uh, that heaven waited Long, long time for. You know, Tony Campolo, that uh, speaker back in the 70s and 80s, he had that famous, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. As soon as I started speaking, I was thinking that, but he says it so well, right? And I just couldn't replicate it, but it's Friday. (laughs) But Sunday's coming. (laughs) That's right. You know, and when we, from a theological standpoint, consider the amazing things that are going on. I think this year, in a fresh way, a lot of people, a lot of believers have been watching uh, The Chosen. And then this past weekend, uh, another movie came out on the big screen theaters called His Only Son, which was uh, obviously on the life of Abraham, but is often looked at as a parallel of the love that the father had that he would sacrifice as Abraham was asked to do his only son, Isaac, which later God the Father actually did in Jesus going to the cross for us. So on this day, I'm praying that whether or not people have been moved by these new kind of forms of consideration and thought uh, or not, that we'll all take a fresh look during this program as to what are some of the real, like you said earlier, poignant aspects of the crucifixion, and I'd like, love to get your own history uh, in that process as well as we talk about it today. Uh, Good Fridays that, when you look back, that were like uh, major milestones. I, I think every believer would have to look at this. I heard recently, Andy, someone called this event Resurrection Sunday, the Super Bowl event. And I mean, that's kind of a maybe some would feel a crass way to say it, but in the world of understanding big events, there simply is no bigger event yeah. than this weekend. Yeah, and the reality is the Super Bowl dwarfs in comparison oh, absolutely. To, to this. What are we on? Super Bowl 50. Maybe we have yeah. uh, you know, 100 million people watch it. But how many billions, billions with a B, have been impacted right. by the events of this day? Yeah. And 50 years? Uh that's nothing compared to the 2,000 years that we've celebrated this yes. and the eternity which we will celebrate this as well. Mike, you mentioned maybe Good Friday being a little bit more poignant this year because of things like The Chosen and the new movie. But I think it's going to be more poignant this year because of the stuff that's happening in the world. Yes, I agree. I just got back from an international trip last week and I was in a place of of great oppression and struggle, and maybe we can talk about that later. But while over there, I couldn't get any Wi-Fi or any internet. So last week, I was completely clueless as to what was going on in America. Mm -hmm. So I landed on the plane, I landed back in the U.S., turned my phone on, and I get all these alerts about shootings and trials and arrests and this and that and everybody going their own way. And for me, it's the narrative of the news of today that makes Good Friday more poignant Mm -hmm. this year. I agree. 
You know, that's right. Uh, this has been a tough 10 days in America. And I, I, we've talked about the Nashville tragedy, which you were out of the country during that. It's unthinkable what happened there. And that is just added to the other things that have happened, other shootings over the years, uh, other tragic events. I think back all the way to 2020, the George Floyd mm. incident. And this past uh, number of years has been very difficult. The past, like we said, 10 days uh, that's so. As we're recording this, we don't even know yet all of the outcome of this week because this has been recorded days in advance. Uh, but even in our own nation this week, with all the things that are going on with the former president, unprecedented events, and all of these things, what they do, Andy, is they come together to present this like an ominous feeling that I think a lot of people have. I think you're exactly right. I think that's going to be the prime yeah. reason why people are going to be looking on this day, on Friday now, Good Friday of 2023, as a day where we need to find hope. And the good news is we can find the hope in that's Christ. It, that's exactly right. And I think when we see just the tragedies and the confusion and the pain that is happening in our nation and in our world, that question of where is the hope is at the forefront of our minds because we're so consumed by the pain and we want to run from it. We want to find hope in it. And you say, well, where does this hope come from? Does it come from a new set of laws? No, that's never worked. Does it come from a new set of politics? That would probably help, but it's not going to solve our problem. It comes right. from a new humanity that's made new by Jesus. Right. It comes from Resurrection Sunday, but we don't get to Resurrection Sunday without going through Good Friday. Yeah. You know, we always hear that phrase, it's always the darkest before the dawn. And that's a true statement. I mean, the, mm. the dark of night is not going to be any blacker than it is moments before. But I love what happens every day here in this good old world that we live in, because every morning... We have that dawn, that light, and what light does, it doesn't compete with darkness. It instantly defeats it. The moment you have light break up, a break out where it's visible, and and there is this like this moment where it's not there, and then it is. Mm -hmm. It's not like you get a big you know one hour countdown. <laughs> All of a sudden, light breaks out, and the moment light breaks out, it invades the darkness. I, yeah, one of my hobbies, Mike, is taking pictures of sunrises. I didn't know that. And uh, I was um, on an early flight last last week, and I looked at the plane, and the sun was rising, uh, and it was just so. Uh, no, no, sorry, the sun was setting, and I wanted to capture the sunset, and so I took out my picture, at my phone, just to capture the picture, and in the time it took me to get out my phone, the sun had set, and oh, I missed it. And it was gone. Yeah, but the reverse is true as That's well. That's exactly right. I mean, one moment you don't see it, the next moment you do, and then when you do, the state of darkness that was in the world before, that was in your world before, in your horizon, was was gone. I mean, it's that... That's that uh, previous condition was gone because light is broken forth and there's there's something fresh. There's something new about that sunrise. Has there ever been a more extreme moment of that point you've just made than what we're celebrating this weekend? I don't think so. The cross, mm -hmm. the brokenness of humanity, the mockery of a trial, the joke that the only perfect one would be sentenced as a common criminal. How dark is that that jesus came yeah. all the way to earth and we killed him it doesn't get any darker than that but we know the rest of the story and three days later as death was defeated and jesus is risen it doesn't get any better than that so so you, you're right the sun the light's here one moment and it's gone the next and just like that history's darkest moment Right. was turned into history's brightest moment. Right. And, you know, the lead-in that uh, we've studied, of course, there's, again, from a theological standpoint, from a church history standpoint, there is Monday Thursday, mm -hmm. which is uh, has been celebrated in a lot of traditions over the years in different churches. And the scene of uh, that Last Supper and all that went into 
the preparation, let's mm-hmm. say, for what Jesus was going to go through, because he knew mm-hmm. what was happening. And his disciples were, let's say, woefully behind, mm-hmm. even though they, they had been told some things. It wasn't yet clear to them. I think of the words that Christ said to them. He said, I tell you these things, your heart's broken now. Uh, you, you, yeah. You're not hearing um, you're not hearing it as you should. And I think that's true for all of us. We sometimes get caught off guard by a moment, and that moment takes us out of the moments that are to follow. We don't see them as we really should. And with these disciples, that, that had to be true. They're they're being asked to go to the Garden of Gethsemane after this meal, which was in itself a unique meal. Uh, and there they're asked to pray. And isn't it incredible that on the eve of the most tragic uh, event that uh, could ever be mentioned for Jesus, he asked his best friends to pray with him. Mm. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it. And they fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I am both uh, disgusted by that and embarrassed by that. And Mike, I'm embarrassed because I know there are a lot of important things going on in my life, right. in our yeah. world, in our ch- churches. Uh, the need to pray has never been greater. But how often do we fall asleep on important stuff? Not figuratively, although sometimes we do, especially as we get older, right? right. But certainly metaphorically. And yeah. um, let me talk about my trip. I just came back yes. from, from Cuba. I, well, I want to hear this. And uh, Cuba is a fascinating place. There is much beauty in uh, some of the history and some of the architecture and most certainly in the people. Mm-hmm. But there is great brokenness as well. And we know that most of that brokenness is because of the political system of communism that they're under. And one of the things that struck me is that when Castro took over, mm-hmm. it was almost like someone pressed the pause button on Cuba. And all of a sudden, everything that was just stopped and started to go in a different direction. But the reality was that moment had been coming for a long time with lots of small shifts and changes mm-hmm. and postures. And if we fall asleep, if we uh, fall asleep when we should be praying and when we should be alert, there is great danger around for all of us. I agree. This is a time we must be awake, not just watching what's going on politically, not just watching what's going on in the news, but God is doing something in our day, and we can't and we shouldn't sleep on that. Yeah. Not only is it dangerous to do so, but we could miss out on all the great things that God wants to do through you know, us. I think it's so easy, and see if you agree with this, that we can read the stories of the Bible. We can look at what we know about the, that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we can think they should have done better. Mm-hmm. Or if, and we don't put ourselves in the same place as these guys. We always seem to put ourselves, if it were up to me, if mm-hmm. I would have been there, and I love what Luther, I believe it was Martin Luther that said, I carry about within my pocket the nails mm-hmm. that held Christ to the tree. I mean, he's no better. He's saying I, I would have been probably yeah. right there in the mix of it. I think on this point, I think that is a good illustration. I think Americans right now have been and are in danger of continuing to be asleep at the wheel when we should be alert, praying and asking God like those disciples of Jesus should have been doing in that garden. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of the disciples in me as I sleep when I should be praying. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of Peter in me when the fire gets too hot and I want to, uh, you know, disown myself. Sometimes yeah, right. there's a little bit of Judas in me. There's a lot of bit of those, uh, a lot of bit. What kind of word is that? There's a, there's a lot of the other disciples that's, that's yeah. scattered in confusion. Yeah. yeah. Thomas, who was a doubter. A little bit of Thomas in me right. too. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that makes the cross so real is that it's not just some abstract story. It's a story that's deeply personal to me. Yeah. Because I see in myself those things that Jesus died for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, Mike, because we were talking off air, you know, you said, let's talk about Good Friday. And my first thought was about that, that the more I grow in my faith, the more I understand what Jesus has done for me, 
the harder it gets to talk about Good Friday. Um, and I think that's because I realized it was for me and for me and for me. Now, I believe that initially when I first came to know Christ 30 years ago, but year after year after year, as I see the brilliance and the beauty and the glory of what Jesus has done, contrasted with that is my sin and my brokenness. And Good Friday is a day for us to really own that, mm -hmm. to say, yeah, it wasn't that just Jesus went to the cross. What a heroic act. It was Jesus went to the cross for my sins. And Good Friday should be a very personal day for us. Mm -hmm. And I think my experience walking with Jesus for a number of years now is it gets more personal and it gets harder and darker each year. You know, I think that's what should happen to us all for a fact. We should grow in our understanding of the depth of depravity that we were in and are. I know when it's young, I mean, I, I can remember being so simplistic in my understanding of doctrine that I really, all I knew about sin and all I really thought about sin was I'd been set free from it. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm not saying we should embrace uh, and and uh, let's say, you know, study real hard about that thing called sin. But the truth of it is we do need to have a healthy understanding of its implications going forward. I love what to uh, Terry Virgo, a, a real great man of God in England, and he became a personal friend to Cindy and me. And Did he really? I've, I've in, read many of his books and Bible uh, studies over yeah, the years. Stayed in our home in Orlando yeah. and loved this guy. And I, he said one time, a quote I've never forgot, he said, when Jesus went to the cross, he set us free from reigning sin, mm. but we still have to deal with remaining sin. Mm. And I thought that was a really great way of saying that. You know, Terry was right on the mark. All of us, until the day we die and until the day we're going to be with him in glory, we're going to have to deal with this flesh and all the stuff that's going on. We're going to have to deal with that in our lives. And... And thank God he sets us free. We have that hope. But we need to see that this was serious what Jesus went to mm -hmm. battle. He died for that sin. Yeah, I love that quote um, because reigning sin, although very real, can feel very abstract to us. Mm -hmm. But remaining sin, yeah. man, I see that all over the place in my relationships, in my temptations, in my selfishness. Right. That's the stuff. That's where it gets personal. Jerry Bridges wrote a, an amazing book about that called uh, Respectable Sin mm. and how that we all have these sins that we kind of put into this special category in our life. And well, yeah, we know they're not right, but but it's not so bad. Yeah. It's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet realizing Jesus died mm. for that sin. So he went to the cross. Obviously, he went to the cross he, in one sense, went alone. Now, we know he had his father. He had the, the presence of uh, all of uh, the Godhead with him. But when he went to the cross, and when he was on that cross, there came a point where even though he had been abandoned the night before, the, the biggest abandonment was yet to come. And we're going to pick that up when we get on the other side of this break. Good Friday here on The Shepherd. We're talking to our good friend, Andy Searles from Church Together in Castleberry. We'll be right back. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back on this Good Friday with Andy Searles in the studio here at The Shepherd, we were talking about 
Christ went to that cross and we know that he sought his father every morning and, and he did that as a great example. And that in itself is a great model, isn't it, for us about prayer? You were talking about our need for prayer. You'd think that if there was any one individual in all of creation that might not have needed to pray regularly, it would have been Jesus because he had the everlasting presence of the father with him. He had been with the father from the foundations and yet he demonstrated the need to get away and pray to the father on a regular basis. And I'm sure even his own disciples did not capture all of that significance up front. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that Jesus loved to be with his father. I think he, he missed being with his father, even though his father was still with him. Right. And when you love someone, you want to talk to them. Yeah. You want to connect with them. Yeah. You want to, to commune with them, I think. And I say this to convict myself, um, our level of prayerfulness is in direct proportion to the degree to which we love God. Mm-hmm. And while we wouldn't want to hear it, our prayerlessness perhaps is a reflection on how less uh, on the struggles we have to love God. Right. As as well, I've seen that to be true in in my life when I felt close to God, needed God, felt excited by what God was doing. It becomes easy to pray. Yeah. But there are times when you wonder what's going on and you get confused and it becomes hard to pray. But I think Jesus loved to pray with his father because he loved communion with his father. I think so often we misunderstand what prayer is, right? Prayer is a, a shopping list of needs to God. Prayer or, or is, some formula. Yeah. Yeah. But what if prayer is a relationship? I think that's what Jesus is suggesting. Yeah. And the fact that even in the garden with God with him, Jesus was, was still talking to his father. Yeah. So he had that presence and the ability But here's the thing about Good Friday that made that day so significant. Jesus did know what was to come. He knew the purpose for which he was there on earth as as a man. 100% God, 100% man, you do the math. That's never been done before, and it will never be done again Mm -hmm. like that. But he knew what was coming. And on that night, again, going to that garden, he did not go to the garden alone, but he might as well have because his friends were not uh, aware and they were sleepy. And here he's got Judas, another one of his friends and disciples, who was about to do the big turncoat thing and turn him in. Yeah. And so this night was tough uh, more than anything. I, I, we have this picture that Jesus was praying and making these statements like, if there's any way, Lord, let yeah. this cup pass from me. If there's yeah. any other way. But there was no other way. There was no other sacrifice that was going to be able to cover the sin of the world. But Jesus Christ had the ability with his grace and his holiness to carry the weight of sin on his shoulders. And he did just that. And he went there ultimately to be alone. And as he went there to be alone in prayer to his father, he went there alone because of love for those very friends who had left him Uh, and betrayed him and disowned him. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. And I want to talk more about that in a moment, about what that one factor had to play into this reality. Because the people that Jesus had been reaching and even teaching to, even though they were not a friendly audience, the Pharisees and these that were part of the temple, part of the leadership of the Jewish faith at that point, they were they were making deals. They were behind the scenes. They were making plans for this takeover, and they wanted to stamp out Jesus because of his interruption into their life. Let's face it. I mean, he was messing things up for them, <laughs> and he was as a a priest, which he had declared himself to be. Mm. He was he was not like the rest of them, and yet they could not, they could not do away with the reality of what he did. And I, I, I just think that that is something that even in the moment, like as you so well said a while ago, the enemies that were out for Jesus, his love was so great on the cross mm. that 
even they were asked, he asked God for their behalf, forgive them. Yeah. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeah, you're exactly right. I love how you said Jesus had messed up their lives. As I, <laughs> right. as I think about it for a long time, I, I thought Jesus was messing up my life, right? Well, what about this? Why can't I? When? But now I realize that Jesus isn't messing up my life. He's sorting out my life. Right. And it's it's all the difference in the world. And so, uh, yeah, I pray Jesus keep messing with me because what feels like you messing with me to me is actually you sorting me out and aligning me and changing me to the person I need to become. But talking about people and that betrayal, one of my favorite stories of the resurrection is after Jesus has appeared to the women, he says, go tell my brothers that you've seen me. Right. And that word brothers always strikes me because those men had been anything but brothers the last time they'd seen Jesus. Right. Right? They, they bolted. Scattered. They yeah. scattered. Yeah. They hide it. They lie. They, they, they don't deserve to be called brothers. Yet here's the resurrected Jesus, forgetting and forgiving and calling us brothers. And that's so powerful, Mike, for me. Mm-hmm. Because there are times uh, when I am disobedient to God. Right. There are times when my sin and myself gets in the way. Yet because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, he still calls me brother. Right. He still loves point. me as his own. Yeah. He doesn't abandon me in the same way that I and we and us abandon him. Isn't that just a picture of God's grace mm-hmm. in general? Because he called us to himself not while we were in a great, let's say, restored sense of relationship with him. And it wasn't like we'd gotten up and had our devotions that morning, for crying out loud. Uh, As many people feel that if, as Terry, uh, not Terry, but as Jerry Bridges would say, a good day, bad day syndrome, the good days are when you get up and have your Bible devotions Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. way you should have them, the way you think they're right, spend that hour in prayer, everything's going right. Hey, it's a good day. Mm -hmm. Well, that day everything had gone wrong and the disciples had scattered, like you said, and they had even denied Peter denying the Lord, the rest of them. So fearful for them, their lives, they weren't even showing their own faces, Mm -hmm. but with all of that, the Lord, like you said, Mm -hmm. was calling them his brothers. Yeah. There's uh, one of my favorite Easter hymns. And I don't know if we don't sing it in America or if it's just my uh, denomination, Uh, church that doesn't sing it but it was a song that was kind of one of those anthems uh to god be the glory Mm -hmm. an old hymn and there's this lyric that always strikes me and strikes me in this conversation too it says the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from jesus a pardon receives Mm, that's good the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And those guys, the disciples, those who had been with him the most and should have got it the fullest, committed this um, vile offense by abandoning him mm-hmm. at his moment of need. You know, you think about those that moment of need where Jesus was literally on the cross, uh, perhaps minutes or, or at most an hour or so away from death, when it was going to come to him, his best friends, not even Peter, James, and John were near him. Who is the person that is talking with him and finding consolation from him? It's one of the thieves Mm. that were on the Mm. cross next to him. Mm. And for that thief who had never done anything for Jesus, Mm. he had never lived a day of his life for God, never attended a single church service or temple time, not at all. He's going to be with him in paradise. Mike, have you heard that teaching? It's been brought out of the video closet recently from Alistair Begg, who talks about the man on the middle cross. Oh, man, that sounds great. I'm, I don't know if I've heard that. It's, it's a great clip, and I can't share it as well as he can, but I'd encourage our listeners to go find it. It's called The Man on the Middle Cross by Alistair Begg. He's got a beautiful Scottish accent, and <laughs> it's, it's against my nature to impersonate the Scots as a Brit. <laughs> But, but, but he talks about how our qualification That's for good. heaven yeah. is in Christ alone. Yeah. And he talks about that thief on the cross um, 
you know, who's invited there by Jesus as he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he talks about that man, the thief on the cross, showing up at heaven's door and uh, kind of knocking and the angels kind of saying, uh, who are you? You're not any of our lists. Right. And he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here though. And so the angels start to ask him all kind of questions about what he understands about justification and church membership and what Bible studies he's done and all this kind of stuff. And he said, none, nothing, none, nothing. One of the angels says, well, let me go get my supervisor. So the the archangel comes and says, you know, you haven't done this and you didn't know this and your theology's off. Da-da-da-da-da. Why are you here? And he says, all I know is that I'm here because the man on the middle cross said, come. And all of us, all of us will only experience the fullness of eternal life and the joy of heaven, not based on our own works, not because of our own stuff, but because of the work of that man on the middle cross. That is so beautifully said. That is enough. That was enough. Yeah. And it still is enough. A lot of the things that we think are important, a lot of the things that we think we must do uh, to make our faith complete or earn our way to heaven, they mean nothing. Mm -hmm. The the thief on the cross had done none of those things, Mm -hmm. yet he was there because of the man Mm. in the middle. Wow, that's so good. Another aspect that touches me, Andy, and it happened again toward the end, And that was the fact that Jesus never stopped caring for Mary, never stopped Mm -hmm. caring. Uh, Fortunately, at that one point now, he's uh, there is the uh, the disciple that he loved has now. Maybe we don't know at what point in time he came Mm -hmm. around and he was there. Might have been there throughout this entire time. But here is John and Mary and Jesus is looking down. The fact that he continued to care while in pain, is another amazing thing. He never forgets, and yet I think we often, the worse our pain is, we can feel like God doesn't care for us, but that could not be farther from the truth. Yeah, in fact, I think you're right that the opposite is true. The more we're in pain, the closer God pulls in. You know, we tend to think that pain is a result of something bad happening or God abandoning us. But I think pain is a way that God uses to draw himself to us. You know, as you were talking about Jesus's care for his mom and the ladies around the cross, I was struck by how as a pastor, when I'm struggling, one of Mm -hmm. the first things that goes in my life is my ability to care. Right, that happens on a on a on a real simple level at home. Right, if I'm feeling stressed, maybe I'm not as nice to my wife as I could be, and it's because I'm carrying a weight that I think almost gives me an excuse not to care, mm-hmm. and that manifests itself in all kinds of ways. But Jesus, at the midst of his pain, was still other focused. Yes, and was yeah, you know that's beautifully said. Yeah, other focused, always looking out, never. And then I think of all the other Bible verses that go along with that. Mm -hmm. He never leaves us or forsakes Mm -hmm. us. He's closer than any brother. Mm -hmm. But that's what it was. He is near to the brokenhearted. Oh, that's right. And he gives that invitation, which he was giving uh, to us, even through his actions on the cross, to come unto me, all who are brokenhearted, who are heavy laden, Mm and I will give you rest. There is no other rest. Mm -hmm. So he's doing all of this. Another aspect of Good Friday and and the cross is the aspect of obedience, Mm -hmm. that Christ was obedient, knowing the pain, knowing the brokenness. I mean, even those that uh, have studied this for years, studied crucifixions, who knows the who would know the in and outs of death on a cross, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, will tell you that there is no more horrible death yeah. than what Jesus endured. It doesn't get any more inhumane than the cross. It doesn't. There's uh, suffocation involved. There's intense pain because those spikes are driven through points of the body where there are maximum amounts mm-hmm. of nerve endings, and so every single second of his existence on that cross was one racked 
with unbelievable pain. Mm. And then at some point, the weight of your own body is making it difficult for you to breathe. And the only way to breathe is to push up off you with your feet against those spikes in your feet. Mm. And that, but that's the only way to continue to breathe, mm. to get air. And yet with all of that, he did that because of his love for us out you're, of obedience. You're right. I think that's, that's the key point just to hammer home. It was, it was obedience, but it was an obedience driven by love and I think that's a great challenge to all of us as well, is that as we grow in love towards others mm-hmm. and towards God, uh, we become more obedient to God. And the more obedient we become towards God, the more we fall in love with God. It's not that the, we, we, we don't care about the pain, but the more willing we are to live selfless lives that help and encourage and love others well. It was love. It was love. Yeah. The greatest of these is love. And that's what Jesus brought us on this day. When he willingly gave himself up, he willingly went to the cross. He willingly allowed himself to be removed in fellowship from the Father. And that is probably the thing that ultimately caused that his heart to break was that uh, realization for the first time Mm. in all of creation, for the first time since the foundations, Mm. which we can't even really enumerate that. There's no way we know that. Eternity passed. There's just no way to know. He suffered the forsakenness of God the Father. Yeah. And I think, Mike, that's one of the things that we must meditate on this day. Mm -hmm. Uh, How much God must love us to let Jesus yeah. experience all that. Right. Listeners, I, I don't know where you are, what you're going through, what's going on, but today of all days, know that you are loved with a otherworldly love. That's right. That, as Mike said, has been in place since the creation mm-hmm. of all things. That's right. And exists for eternity. Yeah. That day, interestingly enough, that day was promised in the garden. Mm. The day would come. Mm. And uh, he was smitten, all right, uh, from the enemy. But boy, Sunday is coming. Well, here we are. We're at the end of segment two. We'll be back with our good friend, Andy Searles. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. And here we are, segment three on Afternoons with Mike. Andy Searles is in the studio with me today on this Good Friday, a day of deep, I believe, should be deep thought and deep appreciation. We should be really reflective today. It's not a reflection that is without hope. It is a reflection based on hope. It is a reflection as we pause to remember. And you know, Andy, when I think about it, the the regular thing of communion should always remind us of what we do on this one day a a year Mm. Uh, through communion though we take the realities of what happened on this day when jesus allowed his body to be uh, put on that cross Mm. and you know for him to suffer as he did for us that's what we remember when we think of uh, him breaking the bread Mm. and giving it to us and we remember his suffering and remember the blood that was spilled through our participation in the, the, the Lord's Supper. That's really an important aspect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, Jesus knew what he was doing, right? Yeah. And when he uh, instituted that sacrament, he was giving us a very tangible reminder of all that he's done and won for us. Uh, we shared communion last Sunday at our church is a 
as is our tradition, and to do so at the start of Holy Week and uh, throughout Holy Week has a special poignance because the cross is before us in ways this week that it should be always, but it isn't always. And I was reminding our church that the cup that Jesus lifted as he said those infamous words, this is my blood that is shed for you. Mm -hmm. In the Passover meal was the cup of redemption. And so he was holding up a cup that represented to his early followers and to the Jews what redemption should look like. Mm -hmm. And that's the purpose of the cross, that Jesus would forgive us and shed his blood so that we can repent that we can turn, and that we can be redeemed. Well, that's beautiful. That's God beautiful. is making all things new. That's yeah. what we remember in communion. That's what we saw on the cross. All things new, death defeated, mm -hmm. life in all its fullness found, sin erased, right. righteousness live. That's beautiful. All things new. Stephen Curtis, one of my favorite artists of all time, has a beautiful song called All Things New. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think of that very truth of which you speak when I hear that song. He did that. He made that. And he held that cup up. And again, those disciples who were around, and I pray that we're not like them now. Mm -hmm. Those disciples who were around, they were missing the biggest truths behind what he was showing mm. behind what he was doing but you're right the lord knew exactly then what we needed exactly now and that is that we should always remember anytime we celebrate with uh, the lord's supper the communion we should always remember what he did for us mm. always remember that his body went on that cross that he allowed himself to be pierced mm for our transgressions, that his blood flowed down for our redemption. Mm -hmm. We should always remember. That's important. Yeah. It's, and sometimes, uh, you know, I realize maybe some of our listeners can't get to church or churches have different practices around this this sacrament, but we all eat and we all drink. Yeah, that's right. And as you sit down for dinner today, yeah. or if you just had lunch, just stop and remember and recall the redemption that Jesus has won for you. Hmm. Now, there were some things that you wanted to share? Yeah, you mentioned earlier uh, about how the cross changed everything. It was the, the pivotal mm -hmm. point. And one of my uh, life verses this year, you know, kind of a verse that I've mm -hmm. been leaning into a lot, uh, is found in Joel chapter 2, verse 3. And it's talking about the people of God in the midst of great transition and great confusion. And it says, and I love this, before them was the land of Eden, and behind them was the wilderness. Before them was the land of Eden, and behind them was the wilderness. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously that word Eden uh, is rich with meaning in Scripture, as is the word wilderness. And when we think of Eden, we think of in the beginning. Yeah, the garden. Right? Right. When everything was new and right and holy and unstained by sin. But there was something in us that was attracted to the wilderness. So we're born in this world of sin, having left Eden and walking into the wilderness. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus shows up and the cross comes. And he experiences death and he experiences resurrection and we are redeemed and changed. And as we just talked about, made new. And in that moment, we turn around so that we're no longer looking towards the wilderness anymore, but we're looking to Eden, to the new heaven mm. and the new earth. And so as I've been reflecting on that and um, leaning into that as a life verse this year, the challenge for me, Mike, is to say, which way am I facing? That's good. Am I looking towards Eden and all that God has for me? Or am I turned towards the wilderness and the destruction and the devastation 
there. I want to be someone who's always focused on Eden. But so often our sin points us toward the wilderness. But it's what Jesus did on the cross as he made all things new that redeems us and turns us around so that we can be men and women who are leaving the wilderness behind and facing Eden. The question, one of the questions this Good Friday is which way are we facing? That's beautiful. Are we facing the wilderness or are we facing Eden? And because of the work of this day, this Good Friday, Jesus invites us to look towards him, to look towards heaven and all the goodness that Eden holds for us. You know, Andy, there's our days in the year, I think are really great reflection days. One of them for me is January 1. Mm. And because you mentioned the freshness, the newness of every new year, just like Eden represented the the beginning of of life on this earth and the creation and all of the beautiful things that God had intended for his creation. But when I think about uh, the declaration that can happen on this this coming Sunday, when we are there as as a Sunday, gathering on a Sunday as the church of Jesus, where whatever congregation you're in, whatever your uh, background would be from a denominational standpoint, there is a an ability that we all have to make a fresh commitment mm-hmm. to the Lord and and realize in a way that I think, going back to the word that we began this program with, poignancy, with a special alertness, with a special awareness that on this year in 2023, as we once again pause to th- say, thank you, God, for Good Friday. Thank you, God, for what you did. I believe that it, w- it would be the Lord's will for that freshness, that mm. faith to walk in newness with God in the middle of a culture that is going the opposite direction, just like the culture was when Jesus went to the cross. Mm. Mike, I became a follower of Jesus when I was 16. Uh, it was the week after Easter, and my life had been turned upside down as I reflected afterwards on everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And a part of my coming to Christ was wrapped up in a little video clip, which was a lot harder to do back then in those days, that had some um, moving visuals from one of the Jesus movies. And it was put to a soundtrack of a song by Brian Adams. Oh yeah. Called uh, Everything I Do I Do It For mm-hmm. You. Right. Big big song. Yeah, and I remember looking at that cuz Brian Adams was a favorite secular mm-hmm. singer of mine. And looking at those images of Jesus on the cross overlapped with the lyrics Everything I Do I Do For You. And I found myself weeping mm. and changed. Because I realized that everything Jesus did, he did for me. And I sat back and I looked at that and thought, what do I do with that? Right. And the answer was real simple. If Jesus gave his all for me, the only response is that I would give my all for him. That's right. Wow. That is beautiful. And Lord, we thank you for this day this Good Friday, that we would always, always remember what you did, the great love that you showed. Thank you, God. Andy, what's happening at uh, the uh, church for you this weekend? Well, we're going to be celebrating. I I don't know if you've heard, Mike, but there's some good news coming out There's some good news on Sunday, man. (laughs) In fact, good news doesn't do it justice. I love it. You know, I've, uh, I, I think all of us have a, a lifetime of memories of Easter Sunday mornings mm. and uh, Resurrection Sunday for those that prefer to use that term. I love that term more. Uh, but uh, the, the idea, the realization that we have a freedom mm. from the sin of our lives that we could not redeem. I, I love that old song. It's an old one. He paid a debt. Mm. He did not owe I owed a debt I could not pay. Mm-hmm. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Mm-hmm. That's really what he did. Mm-hmm. And we celebrated on this coming Sunday morning. Absolutely. So listen, if you don't have a church home, you're very welcome to 
to join us. You can visit our website, ourchurchtogether.com to find out service times. We've got a sunrise service and a later service. But here's the deal. There are lots of great churches in this region. Right. There are lots of uh, men and women who are going to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus this weekend. And I would encourage you to go join them. It's 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 the reason we're here. Mm-hmm. It's the reason that makes sense of everything that has no reason. So mm-hmm. join us, not as my church, but us as the body of Christ in Orlando and show up and worship the risen Savior this Sunday. And that would hold true for all of our other stations in Gainesville, in Ocala, the villages. Andy, we've got just a moment left. Give, if you will, an encouragement to, let's say, the pastors who are preparing for their church services Sunday, and maybe they're uh, maybe they're not feeling that sparkle just yet that they, they could be and might need to have. What encouragement would you give them? I, I totally get that, Mike. As you said, we were recording early, and I've been spending the morning just going over stuff and thinking, what's new, what's fresh? But here's the realization. The story tells itself. Mm-hmm. The story tells itself when we can't tell it enough. We must share it and we must live it and we must experience the joy of it. And as we do that, then the story changes people's lives. That's right. It's not the preaching that does it. It's the story itself. Yeah. Sometimes I think my preaching hurts the story. <laughs> Yet God uses the preaching of imperfect pastors. Yeah. It really is the greatest story. Yeah ever known. I signed off one of my articles recently in my weekly column for Main Street Daily News in Gainesville with this. My leading has not been perfect, but my serving uh, of a perfect God has has that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I may not be perfect, but I serve a perfect God. Amen. And his story is indeed perfect. Andy Searles, Church Together, give us your website www do we still do that www oh, i don't oh, know oh yeah that had to be fine here <laughs> ourchurchtogether.com o u r our i have to say that cuz my accent's yeah. a little funny ourchurchtogether.com i always love having andy here and a bit jealous every time because of that wonderful accent <laughs> and we thank you friends for joining us here on afternoons with mike have a blessed holy weekend here on resurrection sunday Uh, Serve the Lord with gladness because he is worthy. We'll see you next week. 